Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Let me tell you this morning, I'm excited because I, I believe that uh, God has put a word on my heart to share with you. And I just want to welcome you, whether you have been a part of Bethel for a long time, uh, we are so gr- glad that you're here. And if you are brand new or if you've only been a few times, I want to personally thank you for joining us this morning. I think it is so amazing that you have given up your Sunday morning to come to church, to spend here. I think that is so awesome. So thank you for joining us. Um, whether you are new, whether you don't believe in Jesus, whether you are the opposite of that, or anywhere in between, um, or you've been following faithfully for your entire life, I want to know, I want to let you know that this message this morning is for all of you. This is not a a church member message. This is not a, 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 a salvation message. This is a humanity message. This is a life purpose message. So I, I just want you to be open to God speaking to you this morning. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, we have been um, in a series this summer called Fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to continue on that today. And if you're taking notes, and you're more than welcome to uh, take them on your phone or whatever you want. I don't, I, I don't mind that. Uh, I, would, I would like you to title this talk this morning, The Road to Righteousness. Now this week when I was figuring out, uh, what am I going to talk about faithfulness? Spirit, what do you want to speak through me on on the topic of faithfulness and the fruit of faithfulness from your Holy Spirit? And uh, going through some scriptures and and just kind of meditating on that and learning and studying it, I realized that faithfulness, faithfulness is actually the road to righteousness. As we take this road to righteousness, the way that we actually do that and we complete it, which is our entire life, this road to righteousness is from the moment we're born until the moment we take our last breath here on earth. The way that we actually stay on track is faithfulness. So I want to talk about this topic and this subject today of faithfulness and how can we stay faithful so we know, so we know that we're on the road to righteousness. Well, I want to get right into it. I don't want to waste any time, so I'm going to put up some, or Emma, can you put up the next scripture on the screen, and uh, we're going to read from Galatians 5. Uh, right now we're going to do verse, it's 1 uh, to 12. It might be a little hard to see, sorry. You can never know when you throw it up in projector can, versus your Mac, but that's okay. I'm going to read it for you here. So I don't know if we've read this half yet. I, I'm sure we have, but just in case, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and this is actually the first chunk that Paul, who's wrote this letter to this church in Galatia, this is before he talks about love, joy, peace, patience, and all that stuff that we've been going through. This is what he says. So it's titled, Freedom in Christ. Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law and have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly wait by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. The road to the righteousness is by faith. See where that comes from? I didn't just make it up. Uh, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So if you were wondering that this morning, you're off the hook. Don't worry. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, I'm going to see how many circumcision jokes I can make in one sermon. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> going on. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In the case of, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this, like, live. I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Now, uh, if you are a student, you know that we have been talking about this uh, at youth uh, a few months ago, and I remember I read that, and I made a little bit of joke about it, and... um, I'm not going to point anybody else. Half of the students laughed, and half of the students were really confused. <laughs> what I was talking about there. So go ask your parents after church what all this means. I'm just joking. You can laugh this morning in church. This is a safe place to laugh, okay? Here's the thing. Before, before Paul talks about living by the Spirit and the fruits that you will bear, or the characteristics of, of Christianity that you will bear by following the Holy Spirit, he talks about this battle of sin versus spirit. Okay, he talks about this battle that is in each and every side of every person in this room and the entire earth. Every day there is a battle going on for your life. Okay, it's sin versus spirit. And you actually have a choice. Which, which way do you want to go? Which road do you want to take? Which choice are you going to make? Are you going to fall into temptation? Or are you going to fall into deliverance? There is a battle of sin and spirit that is in each of us. There's a divided attention between the things of this world and fleshly desires and the, and the life to its full. So in Galatians 5, like we just, we just uh, read there, Paul goes on to explain the benefits of actually walking in step with the Holy Spirit. But as we read in the previous section, like we just did, Paul is using some pretty uh, almost explicit language, is he not here? Uh, so I'm not going to drop any swear words or F-bombs in church this morning, because that's not what's going to happen. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. I don't do that anyways. But um, Paul, Paul is using some pretty intense language here. So if this is a guy who's writing letters that, that we believe are the inspired word of God through one of his people years and years and years ago, this has got to be pretty important, all right? We can't miss out on this. Before we even talk about love, joy, peace, that stuff, he's using some intense language. He's, he's trying to get the attention of who he's talking to, not only the original context of, of that church in Galatia, but actually you and I today. He's using some crazy, powerful language. And it seems that this conversation of law and, and, the, and the religious tradition of circumcision of Old Testament covenant and all that kind of stuff has not been a new conversation for Paul. If you read in the New Testament, you'll notice that that this conversation of law and circumcision actually comes up many, many times. And I don't know about you, but one of my biggest pet peeves is is saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And uh, (laughs) um, that's like kind of me and my mom. We do that to each other all the time. She'll say one thing and I just like either won't listen or or I won't remember what she said or I'm not paying attention. And she says it over and over and over to me. You can't do that. You know the rules of the house. I'll be like, oh, whatever, whatever. And I get in trouble. And she ends up not using intense language like that, but, uh, well, sometimes uh, my mom will get frustrated by this. And the other way around, I can get frustrated when my mom's like, you never listen to me. I'm still 23 years old. That's why I became a youth pastor, by the way, because, you know, you don't have to grow up as 
quick, even when you move out. You can eat McDonald's as much as you want. No one's going to judge you for it, except for a few of you guys. You definitely judge me for that because um, you're in a way better shape than I am, Sam. But here's the thing. Paul is frustrated, I think. I think he, he wouldn't use stuff like that, language like that. He wouldn't tell somebody to go ahead and go all the way and emasculate yourself when he's talking about this stuff if he wasn't upset about it. He's, he's saying that there's something important here. So when you read the New Testament, you notice that this conversation goes over and over and over again. And if you know Paul, and if you don't know Paul, let me tell you who Paul is. Paul was this guy, his job was to travel around Asia Minor and areas like that to murder Christians. It was his life set goal to cut off everybody's head. All right? And then he meets Jesus, and he has an encounter with Jesus that completely 180 flips his life around, and he never looks back, but he actually looks forward to the promise that God has for him. And he actually becomes a, a missionary. He becomes a church planner. He's actually, like, he's pastoring pastors. That's what he's doing in these letters, which is incredible. You're going to find out that this conversation of law is brought up many, many, many times. Now, in this time, the setting of the kind of two people groups he's talking to in most of these churches that Paul is writing to is the Jewish believers, okay, and the Gentile people. So you might have heard these phrases or, or, or words and stuff before. This is who he's talking to, Jewish people and Gentile people. And the Jews did not get along with the Gentiles really whatsoever. Even after they accepted Jesus as their Messiah, they did not uh, get along to well with the Gentiles. They had a problem of, if I can sum it up in one word, loving their neighbor. The one thing that Jesus calls us to do is to love God and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And they were, they were struggling with this, just like probably you and I struggle with this today. I like when people try and argue the, the idea that the Bible does not reflect today in any way, but it really does in every situation. If you have a hard time loving people, Paul is trying to speak to you through the New Testament. So, argument solved. There we go. <laughs> it was that easy. Somebody put that on YouTube. Uh, just kidding. That won't work. The Jews are actually pretty stuck up. And to some points, when I read this, it kind of seems like they were racist. They were a little bit racist. And uh, what they believed is that, that their heritage, their family, their people group was the only ones that could have relationship with God. They were the only ones because they followed the law and they followed the religion and they did the 10-step program of how they thought to get into heaven. But Paul is, trying to, Paul is trying to explain to them that the reason Jesus came was to fulfill the Old Testament covenant because nobody else on the earth can do it. So God had to come down as a human himself and do it for us. And then we no longer are under Old Testament law. But they are obsessed with that. So Paul is frustrated with them saying, you don't need to do that anymore because Jesus actually came to set you free from Old Testament law, covenant. And there's a New Testament. And all you got to do is follow Jesus. All you got to do is leave your old life behind. You die to yourself and you live for him. You don't look backwards, but you live forwards. You face forwards. Amen? That's a good word, huh? Amen. I was really nervous, but now I'm really excited. Because I believe that God is speaking powerfully this morning. And not just because I'm yelling or intense or out of breath. I, I believe that God has a word for you. We read in Galatians 5 that the Jewish people were actually stuck in this religious tradition and practice. They couldn't let go of a Gentile person being in relationship with God or part of his family without taking this Old Testament law and covenant of circumcision. But Jesus came to fulfill that law. 
right? Jesus came to fulfill that law and he made a new covenant between all of humanity and the Father God. Which is just, uh, which is just amazing. And, and that's why we get to have a relationship with God today. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And not only did he die, but he rose again three days later. And that's some good news. We're going to keep reading uh, scripture. We're going to read Galatians 5. This is the second half of this chapter. Verses 13 to 22. If you want to write that down or open your Bibles. And if you could squint hard enough, you could probably read it. And if you can't, I'll read it for you. No worries. So, Galatians 5 verses 13 to 22. It's titled this, Life by the Spirit. So, Paul continues here. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. I feel like we heard that before. Uh, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Pause here for a second. It says this, they are in conflict with each other. This is where the idea of sin versus Spirit and the battle for your, your soul every day happens. Alright? Sin versus Spirit. Are you going to follow sin or are you going to follow Jesus? They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and today we get to faithfulness. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that, uh, Lord, we would learn what it means this morning to be faithful, Jesus, that uh, you have promised us your Holy Spirit. So, so God, will we actually spend time uh, and step with your Holy Spirit? Will we walk with your Holy Spirit? And because of that, will we bear fruits of your Spirit? Will we bear these characteristics like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, Lord, and today faithfulness? Would you teach us what it means to be faithful? Jesus, I pray that these words would not just be words that I make up. Lord, I, I, Lord, I pray that this, these words and this message this morning would not just be uh, something from Pastor Carlo, that's an opinion, Lord, but Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? God, you honor preparation and all that, but God, would you take over? Would you do what you want to this morning, Lord? Would we be, as a church, no matter where we're at on this journey of life, God, be open to hearing from your word this morning? And we say, amen, amen. I kind of did this backwards. Usually, usually, you know, you have your one, two, three point sermon and I tell you the point in the beginning and then I explain it. But I wanted to explain the point before I told you the point. So what Paul is saying here is if you want to walk on this road to righteousness, all right, you need to be faithful to God. So how do you be faithful to God, Paul? He says this. He says you need to walk away from your sin and you need to live by the Spirit. So this is our point one. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. If you are having trouble bearing characteristics of the Holy Spirit, like loving your neighbor, having joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, all the other ones that I missed. If you're having trouble with that, just like me, because I'm not perfect, 
I want, to, I want to dare you actually this morning to spend time with the Holy Spirit and watch the Spirit flip your life around. It's actually the first step because faithfulness, let me tell you this morning church, that faithfulness cannot be found in your career. It cannot be found in your school. It cannot be found when you graduate. It cannot be found if you win the lottery. Faithfulness is not a, a, is, cannot be bought anywhere. You cannot just find it. You cannot borrow it from somebody. But faithfulness is actually created and stirred up in you when you spend time with the Holy Spirit. Okay? There's nothing you can do to try and just get faithfulness for yourself. So if you're trying to walk this journey alone, and you're like, it's so hard to be faithful, I want to ask you the question, have you been spending time with the Holy Spirit? Because if you haven't, there's your math. I don't want to be mean this morning. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm just excited. And I've been listening to a lot of Judah Smith, and he yells a lot in his sermon. And uh, people get saved every week when he yells. So I was like, maybe those two connect or something. I could be totally off by that, by the way. But that's our first point. The road to righteousness is by faithfulness. How do we be faithful? Well, Paul says, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Walk away from your sin. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever had someone break their promise to you? Yeah, anybody? Someone, show a hand. Someone broke a promise to you? Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm still bitter about that. I can't believe they broke that promise like three days ago or 30 years ago or anywhere in between. That was so frustrating. You go ahead and put your hands down. This is the absolute worst, right? And, and when someone breaks their promise to me, it's actually like one of my biggest pet peeves. Because I'm like, I was relying on you and I didn't do any work myself to like back myself up and have a plan B. Why did you break your promise? No, not always. But sometimes that's the case. It's my big, one of my biggest pet peeves when someone breaks their promise to me, especially when it's someone close, like a friend or family, right? Because that, that is a little more sensitive when a, a family or a friend breaks their promise to you. And... I'm going to admit on this stage this morning that I am not perfect. I know you might think I was with my skinny jeans and my slick hair and all that kind of stuff. But I, I believe it or not, I am not perfect. Right? Amen? Okay, amen. I break promises all the time. Just ask Pastor Chad. He asked me to do something and sometimes it just doesn't get done. Uh, and you're like, why do we pay this guy's salary? But... The question of uh, somebody breaking their promise to you, uh, it, it hurts. It hits deep. And that's kind of what we're going to continue talking about this morning. And before we, uh, before we do, um, I want to tell you a little story. And I'm not going to be that pastor. I'm not going to be that guy or that Christian that walks up on stage and names somebody that broke their promise to me. That wouldn't be right. That would not be cool. So instead, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to tell you a quick story about somebody who I wish broke their promise to me, but they actually kept it. And uh, it's, it's my beloved mother. And I love my mom. I love my mom. All student, all you students here, your mom or your parental guardian, you got to love your parents because trust me, they uh, work hard to keep you in line. So love your mom. My mom is awesome. And uh, my mom was never like crazy strict or anything. She actually gave me a lot of leeway now that I look back at it. I had a lot of freedom, a lot normal, a lot more normal than probably most kids my age did then. And I don't know if it's because I just was stubborn and did what I wanted. So she's like, all right, fine, whatever. Or if she was like, no, I trust you, Carlo. It was one of the two. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But who loves birthdays? You're like, I love my birthday. There's nothing wrong. Let me tell you this story. There's nothing wrong with celebrating yourself once a year. Okay? 
Amen. Celebrate your birthday. Eat some cake, for goodness sake. Like, you can go ahead and celebrate your birthday. And I was never, like, huge on birthdays, and I don't remember every detail of the story. But I remember one birthday, I was just in a bad mood, okay? And if you've ever seen me in a bad mood, Maddie has seen me in a bad mood. Usually I'm pretty chill and easygoing, but when I'm in a bad mood, I'm, like, in a rut. I'm like, nah, everything sucks. I'm in a bad mood. And on my birthday, I was in one of those everything sucks, I'm in a bad mood rut. And uh, I remember my mom telling me a few times in the morning before friends and family came over for whatever we were doing uh, for a birthday party at my house. She was like, you got you to gotta cut this attitude out, Carlo. You, you can't keep doing this. And I kept doing it. And I kept doing it. I probably said things and did things that I shouldn't have done. And I remember my mom saying, my mom saying if you don't stop it, I promise you, I will take all the gifts, every gift that your family member and friend and, and me give you, and I'm going to give them all back. Oh, isn't that the worst news ever? It's almost too good to be true. So I said, yeah, right. Yeah, right. In my head. I didn't want to say that out loud because she probably would have done it right then and there. But long story short, guess what my mom did? I kept up my bad attitude and she kept her promise that I wish she broke. It was the worst birthday in the whole world. What's your favorite story or your, fa your favorite birthday story where you got like your favorite gift, your favorite toy? Imagine getting all of them sent back and given to your cousins and stuff like that. They just gave them to their kids and their friends. That's the worst news ever, right? Oh, I, oh, that's just such a dreadful day. I still love my mom. She's the best. She has bought me so many things. She helped me get through school and all that kind of stuff. She has paid my gas and phone bill many times when I was living at home. She is an awesome lady. So I want to ask you the question this morning. What promise have you broke in the last 24 hours to about a week or so, if you can remember, because you probably can. So why don't you take the next minute... I like doing fun stuff like this in church. Why don't you take the next minute and talk to your neighbor or the people behind you about a promise that you broke in the last 24 hours, and then I'll see you back up here. So the second point that I want to make today, the first one, if we want to be on this road to righteousness, we need to be faithful. How do we be faithful? Number one, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Number two, we need to look, we need to, look to the one who is the one who was and is and is to come. We need to look to the one who is faithful. And unlike Michael Scott, who will break all his promises, I actually have a friend in real life, and his name is Jesus, okay? He calls me friend. He calls me family. And he has never broken his promise. He's always remained faithful, and he's always been true to his word and his calling. He has never shied away from that, even in the hardest times. In the book of Luke, you could find in the New Testament, in the first few books of the gospel, chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus says this. It's a pretty intense kind of uh, um, prayer. So some context is, is Jesus, he knows he's about to be... Uh, He's about to be arrested. He's about to be sold out by one of his best friends. And he, he takes some time to get away from distractions and crowds. He goes up on the mountain and, and he prays. And he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So maybe that language is a little confusing for you. But basically what he's saying is, God, is there any other way? Because if there is, please let me know right now. And I would love to trade this scenario for that one. Please, if there's any other way, let me know. But instead of finishing there, he says, but if there isn't, I'm still going to be faithful to what you've asked me to do. If you know the story of Jesus, that's pretty intense. 
So I want to talk for a second about Jesus' crucifixion and faith. If we want to be faithful, we need to look at the one who has fulfilled the law and made it possible by the Holy Spirit to bear fruits like faithfulness. Just being who he was, just being Jesus, sorry, being who he said he was, would actually have the power, if he was fully divine and fully human, he would have the power to go ahead and change the scenario if he wanted and put all those people to shame and get himself off the cross and all that kind of stuff. We've heard that question in uh, Christian and atheistic debates before, right? He, he could have done that if that's who he said he was. But instead of shying away from a hard situation, he actually took it head on and he faced forward and he said, God, if there's any other way let me know. But if there's not, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what you asked me to do for humanity's sake, for your creation, because I love them that much. That is crazy. That is insane. Imagine you being in the same situation for a moment. All right. And I know picturing yourself on a cross is probably pretty hard to do. But you have the ability to walk away. You have the ability to escape one of the most horrific, painful, humiliating deaths by your own people who put you up there. And instead, you decide to trust in God's plan and be faithful for the rest of humanity's sake. Jesus knew exactly when and how he was going to die, and he knew he was going to rise again. He was prophetic about it. He left death and it's grave. He was faithful to the call, even though he was scared. He stayed faithful. Now there's two, I think there's two types of faith. There's, there's probably a few more, but they usually go to these two kinds of categories. Two types of faith in every situation in our life. The first one is what we usually call blind faith, which is usually added on to a scenario of like, you don't know what you're doing, you're, you're being ridiculous, you haven't even thought about that, you're just, you know, you're being foolish, blind faith. I don't think that that happens a lot of times. If we're honest with ourselves, we just believe everything we hear, we believe everything we say. So I say this to the students all the time. I was said to this by my youth pastor, not that I would ever trick you or lie to you from a pulpit, all right, or from a stage or at church. I would never do that. But I think it's actually important for you not to just walk with blind faith, but to actually test every word that you hear. If your faith is actually important to you, you're actually going to study it. If your faith is actually important to you, you're going to watch a YouTube video about it, the right one, okay? If, you're, if your faith is important to you, you're going to read a book. If your faith is important to you, you're going to study it and figure out what it actually means to be a Christian. Don't walk into that with blind faith. But at the same time, there are some moments where blind faith is the only choice that we have. It's the only choice because it's completely out of our control. Usually that's the moment where we need a miracle or we're praying for a miracle for this person and there is nothing wrong. In fact, that's probably the best thing you can do is blindly, with blind faith, trust in God that he's got it under control because there's nothing left we can do and that's okay. Blind faith, one of the first ones. It's bad and a good thing. You gotta be, you gotta be uh, careful when to use it and when to not use it. And the other side of faith is when you know, you trust in God to believe that he's actually going to do something, but at the same time, you respond to him when he calls you to do something. Not always walking by blind faith, but to say, all right, God, I'm believing for this miracle. And he says, I've given you the resources to do that. God, I've been praying for this for a long time. How many times have you actually gone and done something about this? Oh, I've just kind of been praying and just hoping and praying. He's like, that's good that you're trusting in me. But, you know, I created you. You think that you, you, like, you, you can't do it. It's not on your own. But you can do it because I've given you the power and the strength to do that. 
two types of faith. Blind faith and the kind of faith we got to remember where actually God puts us in control of certain things in our life. He gives us the ability and control to do those kinds of things. It's also faith like a mustard seed, okay? The size of faith. Before I say that though, I, I missed on scripture. So I want to say this at the end of two types of faith. 2 Timothy 2.13. Whether you have blind faith or faith that God is good and he's given you resources to do what you need to do in life, or you are faithless, you have no faith, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.13 says this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot disown himself. That is a powerful, powerful scripture. What does that say to me? What does that say to you? Even when we are faithless, when, when, when we don't feel like we meet a standard or criteria, by the way, which we don't have to meet. It's not what being a Christian and following God is about. But if, if we feel like we don't meet that, that standard, God doesn't change his character because you fail or I fail or we mess up here or there. He actually stays true to who he is. He will always be faithful even when we are unfaithful to him. That sounds like a good dad. That sounds like a good father. Even when my, I mess up, my father, my heavenly father is still going to be there for me. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot disown himself, disown himself. It is not in God's character to change. He is always who he says he is. It's faith like a mustard seed. Maybe you got big faith, or maybe you got barely any faith. The size of a mustard seed. The best part about all of the, how all this plays out is that we're required to only do two things in any situation. Have faith in God, that he is in control, and that what God calls us to act we actually do, do something about it and don't shy away. Matthew 17, 20 says this. Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. When Jesus says that last phrase in this text of scripture, nothing will be impossible for you. I believe he's implying this, that everything will be possible for you because your faith is no longer put in yourself, but it's actually put in the one who does the impossible. Pretty cool, eh? Let me say that again. Move this mountain from here to there. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you will be able to do the impossible and you'll make it possible because you no longer are having faith in yourself to move a mountain in your life. Whether that be actually physically or whether that be emotionally or, or, or mentally or, or anything like that. Whatever mountains are in your life that are stopping you from getting to the next place that God wants to bring you. He's given you the ability to do that because it's on him. It's not on you. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool because I know when I fall short... Where else am I going to turn? I'm going to turn to myself? No. I'm going to turn to God, who is always faithful. This road to righteousness is by faithfulness. How do we do that? Number one, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Write this down. Number two, you need to look to the one who is faithful, who decided for you to die and rise again through uh, the death of the cross and resurrection. Incredible. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Look to Jesus who is faithful. And uh, before we get to the third point, uh, I love just doing crazy illustrations, whether that's doing a question or a quiz or watching The Office in church. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool to get paid for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have one more illustration. Has anybody ever heard of the trust fall before? Show of hands. Trust fall. Have seen a trust fall? Well, I'm going to invite my friend Jake up to the stage. And uh, Jake, Jake, give a hand for Jake as, as he comes up here. And... Uh, Jake, Jake, 
and, uh, and his wife, Allie, they are great uh, new friends of me and Maddie. And uh, we were both uh, really praying for just some, some new and awesome friends. And you guys are one of those. So thank you for doing this this morning. I called him last night because I didn't want a guy that just called him up and put him on the spot. So I need one volunteer. Fireman Rick, would you come up here? I know your first name's not Fireman, but I also always wanted to say that in a microphone too. <laughs> yeah. So we're going we're gonna to do this really simply. I'm going to have Jake, you stand right up here. Just stand like this, okay? <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah. Like, and, and come on, come on up here. Come on up here. And just for the sake of making sure we know they're strong. Yeah, okay, we're good. We're good. Okay. So how, how a trust fall works is uh, Jake's going to keep his eyes forward and he's going to put his arms fully. <laughs> he's going to put his arms fully out and he's just going to lean back and fall into Rick's arms. Now, let me ask you a question, Jake. Do you have faith that Rick's going to catch you? Like, look at that. Yeah, seriously. There's no question. No hands, probably. So... We're going to count together. Three, two, one, fall. And Jake's going to go ahead and fall into the arms of Rick. Because you have faith in Rick, right? You have, just put your arms out like this and, you know, just catch him any way you'd like to. I'm sure you can do it. All right. Are you ready, church? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, fall. Woo! Pretty good. Pretty easy, right? Pretty easy. Awesome. Awesome. That was good. That's good. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Oh, but actually, can you just stay here just for a sec? Um, I have a few more volunteers that I talked to before. Would you just come up to the stage for me just real quick? Just a few more. Yeah. Would you just come up here? And could you guys, one, two, three, or four line here, one, two, three, or four line there, just for me? What? You, I, I said, would you do a trust fall this morning? And you said, yeah. And you have faith in Rick. Rick's going to catch you. So, don't, don't worry, you can be with them. Yeah, yeah. So I need, I need one more person, one more strong person. Eric, why don't, why don't you come up? You're a strong guy. Yeah, give it up for Eric. I love Eric. So would you stand right there, Rick? And Eric, would you stand right here? And could you guys, uh, could you guys put your arms out? So you're holding each other. Um, and just whatever you do, uh, get nice and close. Get nice and close. This is a Kodak moment, people. Get nice and close. Whatever you do, make sure that your hands don't break apart. Okay? So if, if you can actually, if you can lower it as much as possible, just lower it as much as you can. Like, yeah, get real low if you can. And just, just watch your head. And uh, yeah, whatever you do, don't let go. Get nice and tight, nice and tight. And would you, would you, Jake, would you stand right here and uh, face me, just face me for a sec. Just, uh, no, face me like this. There you go. Put your heels on the edge. And now I want to ask you the question. Do you have faith that they are going to catch you? No? Not even Mark? Especially not Mark. He's going to pull away right away. He was telling me before. He... You want to go for it? Okay. Ready? Hold on. We're going to count it. Do you guys have faith that they're going to catch him? Yeah. Okay, that was so weak. You're in church this morning. Do you have faith that he, he's going to catch him? That's good. All right, ready? Three, two. Woo, yeah. That was good. All right. All right, now we got one more. We got one more illustration. One more. So now I want you guys to do the same thing, but shift about three or four feet that way, okay? And you don't have to go low. You can stay high, but just be nice and close together. Jake, now what I want you to do is to uh, stand over here, get, get a good running start, okay? And I just want you to Superman leap into them. Do you have faith that they're going to catch you? You got it? Okay. 
All right, we're gonna count it, ready? Three, two, one, go! Yeah! Okay, okay. So I didn't plan on doing this, but that was pretty good. And I was trying to get you to fall somewhere, but you haven't done that. I'm just kidding, I wouldn't do that. But do you believe that they could catch you one more time if we just shift it down a little bit more? You gotta get a good body size leap in there. You think you can do it? I think that's good, I think that's good. Think you, think you can get that? I actually don't know. <laughs> All right, church, are you ready? All right. Do we have a doctor or a nurse in the house, by the way? Just in case. All right. Let's count it down in three, two, one, jump! Yeah! That's awesome. <laughs> So good. You guys can take a seat. Give a hand to these guys. Thank you. No, that's why I asked somebody else to do it. I'm preaching, okay? Oh, man, that was good. That was so good. See, you can have fun in church. It's a good thing. Third point is this. The road to righteousness to be faithful. Number one, spend time, with, uh, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Number two, look to the one who is faithful, Jesus. And number three, you got to keep your eyes on the prize. All right? When, 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 I know this is a silly example, but, but Jake had to make sure he was looking to where he was going. He had to face forward to make sure that they were going to catch him. Got to keep your eyes on the prize. So in a second, we're going to read 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8. But here's some context, okay? Timothy was this young guy like you guys in the front. And he, uh, he was the prodigy. He was a, dis a disciple of, of Jesus, but through Paul. Paul took Timothy under his wing, taught him how to plant churches, taught him how to be a pastor, taught him how to lead people. So we're reading this letter that Paul writes to Timothy, and these are some of the last words that he says. So if we know that these are some of the last words that Paul says before he actually gets put to death, these words got to be important to one of his most, you know, trusted prodigies, Timothy. He says this, 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which, righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but, who all, but for all who eagerly look, where? Forward to his appearing. The concept of this, uh, this moral longing and fight for faithfulness is a lifelong journey. There's never going to be a moment here on earth, right? Where you just conquer faithfulness. Where you're like, I am finally 100% faithful. No longer will I be tempted. No longer am I going to fall short. It's a lifelong journey. It's a road to righteousness. And you have to make a continuous daily choice. As we read these last few words from Paul to Timothy, we read that faithfulness leads to righteousness. So I want to read this little section again here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, righteousness, 
Am I saying that right? <laughs> Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. We have something amazing to hope for, and we know it to be true, that Jesus is coming back. And we don't really say that in church anymore. I don't know why. But I'm not going to lie to you. I was listening to a sermon by Judah Smith, and he was preaching on, uh, uh, on this text. And it was a week or two ago, and his point was, you need to face forward, because Jesus is coming back. I'm like, that ends this sermon so, just perfectly. It just ties it in. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Look to the one who is faithful, who was faithful on the cross, and faithful to rise again. And face forward. Well, what do I mean by that? Have you ever heard the term, keep your eyes on the prize? You've probably heard of that before, right? Well, I, I, I'm kind of, while I'm reading this, I, I'm thinking that Paul is the one who maybe made up that term. And he, he might be in heaven right now saying, why is nobody giving me any credit? Come on, like I made that up. No, he, I don't know if he made that up or not. Um, but that's exactly what he's trying to say here. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. You've got to face forward because Jesus is coming back. And if we want to be faithful, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We've got to keep forward. So what is facing forward? What does that mean? It means you don't drown yourself in the past, all right? It means that you can learn from the past. The past is not a bad thing. You can learn from the past. You can be inspired by the past. And you can even regret the past. Uh, uh, this is just my opinion here. This is a side note. This one's for free. Uh, I'm not a big believer in saying no regrets. Or if you've seen that movie, that guy gets a tattoo and it says no regrets. And he spells it wrong. But I don't even remember where that movie's from. I've just seen a picture of it. I've never seen the movie. But here's the thing. I actually don't believe that. There are many things in my life that I regret. But I'm not going to linger on the past. I'm not going to linger on regrets. Sure, I have some regrets in my life. But I'm not going to linger on that. I'm going to face forward because Jesus has a bigger promise than all of my regrets and my sin and my failure. And where I've missed the mark and messed up. Got to look forward. We can learn from the past, be inspired by the past. You can regret the past, but you do not stay in the past. Yeah? Amen. Say that again. Come on. You don't stay in the past. You got to look forward. The only, one, the only way to remain faithful and not linger on hurt, mistakes, sin, or whatever has happened to us is to look forward through the lens of forgiveness, a lens of grace, mercy, and love. And let me tell you about this lens. This is the lens that God sees you through. It's through his eyes. He sees you forgiven. He sees you worthy. He sees you full. He loves you. He has mercy and grace for you every day, every time you wake up. There is joy in the morning. He gives you a fresh and clean start. So wherever you're at this morning, wherever you're at in your journey in this walk, whether you just started, whether you don't want to start, whether you're brand new here to church, or you've been doing this walk for a long time and you're still messing up on the same sin and you still keep freaking out and you still you can't get it right he sees you worthy and he sees you righteous he sees you righteous you do not earn righteousness you do not earn it he already sees you as righteous so if you're worried about trying to, to get these steps one, two, three, four all together, don't worry about that anymore because he already sees you as righteous it's our job just to respond in the same way to say, God, you call me righteous, I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to do that by being faithful to you. Everyone has a past, right? You're not alone this morning. You are not alone this morning. Every person in this room, every face that I'm looking at has a past. Whether that be good or bad or anywhere in between. You have a past and a story. You are not here this morning by mistake. You are not here by accident. It is not a fluke. 
that you just showed up to church one day, but you're actually here for a purpose. And I believe that was on purpose because I believe that God and the Spirit is tugging on your heart for something this morning or else you wouldn't be here. You've actually taken a step in following the Father in a tiny size faith of mustard seed just showing up to church this morning to hear his word. You are not here because you live in your past. You are here because you made a choice to move forward in your faith today. And you came to hear God speak to you. Not for Pastor Carlo to yell at you. Not for us just to sing songs and out. Not just to gather with each other and all of that stuff is honored and actually uh, ask, God asks us to, to do those things and participate in those things. But you came to church this morning because God had something to say to you. We're going to conclude with this. I'm just going to ask the, the worship band just to come up. Um, I didn't plan on this, but I feel like we need to respond. I, I don't feel like it would be right if we just, just end it like that. Um, and I, I know this, this might seem like a typical thing we do every Sunday, but Sunday morning when we meet together like this, this is a great opportunity for us just to let go. Whatever's going on outside those walls, I don't want there to be a barrier between church and, and, church and the rest of the world, but this is a safe place. For you to experience God, to have questions, to, to figure it out, to, to walk that. And I want to ask you this morning, would you respond? Would you respond this morning? Not for my sake, not for numbers sake, not for a show of hands, not to make me feel nice, to say, wow, I preached so well, 20 people got saved. No, not for any of that, okay? But actually because you need to make a choice to respond to God this morning. We titled this talk this morning, The Road to Righteousness. This is not an easy road to go down. But it's the best adventure that awaits you to the greatest prize you can ever receive. Which is new heaven, new earth. Which is a place where pain and suffering and sin no longer exist. But only love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, self-control, and the other one <laughs> exist. That's where the prize is. So how do, we, how do we stay on this road to righteousness? We do that by being faithful. How do we be faithful, Carlo? We spend time with the Holy Spirit who actually births in us fruit that we bear in our lives like faithfulness. Then we need to look to the one who is faithful. When we stumble and when we fall and when things aren't going our way and we lose faith, we have to remember the cross. We have to remember the work of Jesus and that he is faithful and that if he did that for you, he'll do what you need for you today. If he died on the cross and rose again for you, what you're going through, he's got it. All right? He's got it. That's number two. Number three is keep your eyes on the prize. Face forward. Don't be stuck in your past today, church. Don't linger on what's been behind you, but actually face forward. Keep your eyes on the prize because one day we get to see God in all of his glory face to face. And that is just amazing. It's so good. So, Van, you can go ahead and start. And I, I just, while the band slowly plays, would you close your eyes and bow your head? And this is not for religious tradition's sake. And, and when I say, would you please close your eyes and, and bow your heads, please don't look anywhere. Don't look at me. I, I, I'm going to go past the part. I, I've been nice saying if, if you're new, you've been here for a long time. Can you just respect everybody that's beside you today and just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm the only one looking around. None of the worship team, nobody else. And I want to... I want to take a moment for us to actually respond this morning. 
So the first thing I want to ask you is if you're in the house tonight and you don't have any faith, I'm so glad you're here. Well, I'm so glad you're here. You have a chance to respond now. You have a chance to start a relationship with Jesus, to accept grace and mercy over your life. So on the count of three, I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus into your heart for the first time. And then as a church, we're going to pray a prayer together. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm going to, I just, you can stay in your seat. But I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have faith, but you want to start that today, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. One, Jesus loves you. He adores you. He died for you. Two, he sees you as righteous and worthy. And he longs to be with you. Three, if that's you, would you just raise up your hand this morning? If you want to start a relationship with Jesus for the first time, would you just raise your hand up this morning? That's awesome. Another three moments. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I, you're saying, Carlo, Pastor Carlo, I have never, never, ever in my whole life have I ever accepted Jesus. I want to do that this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Can we pray a prayer together, church? Would you just pray this after me? Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. God, and we thank you for the cross that we are no longer under law, but we actually have free relationship with you. Jesus, would you forgive us for our sins? Will we turn away from the past? No longer linger there, but we would actually face forward and keep our eyes on the prize. Spirit, would you bear fruits of faithfulness in us? And may we, may we learn your son, Jesus. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 